Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to be with you as always. Remember our podcast and join our 1.5 million download army wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Put in Wendy Bell Radio and give us a like, a follow, a share, and a five-star review. You know, I, I look at, uh, at the situation developing in the Middle East. And while it can seem so complicated, it really is not. If we could get all the propagandists out of the way... And we could just take a spotlight to what is really happening. I think it'd benefit everybody. Here we have Barack Obama chirping in the last several days, talking about how everybody's guilty for what's going on. We're all guilty about what's going on in Gaza, about the war, about the conflict that started when the UN decided to to do what they did in 1947, 1948. Ha, this is Israel. This is where you guys are going to be. And break. Good luck with that. Typical government, typical big, bloated nonsense. Here you go. More proof positive that bureaucrats shouldn't get in the way of issues on the ground. And so these tensions have been building, building, building. But what we are seeing is a, is a disgusting vile, loathsome prejudice that would not be accepted if any other group was its victim. If what was going on on college campuses wasn't strictly anti-Jew, but it was instead anti-gay or anti-black or anti-people with disabilities or anti-whatever, This nonsense would have been stopped before it had a chance to start. But because it's anti-Jew, it has been flourishing, spreading in a disgusting and dangerous fashion. And I can't fathom what it would be like to be a Jewish woman or man anywhere in this country, anywhere in this world right now. 
it is that dangerous. You have Israel responding to a horrendous, barbaric, savage assault on its people. And then you have people who are saying, you know what, they should cease fire. Look, you really need to stop. You need to stop with the, with the rockets. You need to stop with the missiles. Let's not do this anymore. We've got innocent people in the crossfire. Ladies and gentlemen, war is about innocent people in the crossfire. It always has been. But I find it very intriguing that it's Israel that's told to lay down the weapons, do the right thing, just brush it off and don't fight back. That genie is out of the bottle. They have gone so low, so evil, so dark. That October 7th assault was so evil. There is no put down your weapons. There's just not. But there is this incredible need to present the Palestinians in Gaza as the victims here. We need to get them food and we need to get them water and electricity and fuel, even though Hamas controls their territory, even though the people in that section have voted for Hamas to be their leaders. But it's Israel that's at fault. Until, oh, I don't know, Friday when I got this and, it, and I got it right before we went on the air, so I couldn't break it down for you then. This is Piers Morgan on with this journalist named Douglas Murray. And Douglas Murray is in somewhere in Gaza. He is either in Israel or Gaza. He's somewhere right there to the point where as he's being interviewed by Piers Morgan, he's got to say airstrike. Take cover. So he's in the throes of war and he's got his vest on and he's going to tell Piers Morgan who's going to tell him from the confines of a cushy British news set what's really going on. And the guy who's there who saw the video, the 45 minutes of unedited horror which he will never unsee of the Hamas terrorists riding in and doing what unspeakable things that they did to the Israeli people. He's going to tell Piers Morgan, kindly, zip it. And I want you to hear it because it's important. And this further underscores why I say to you, if we're talking today about the enemies of the people, and I submit to you that I believe be bigger than government, media is a far bigger enemy to we the people, this is going to underscore that. Piers Morgan is, is responding specifically to something that Barack Obama said last week. That basically Israel needs to just chill out. Let's call a ceasefire. Everybody's guilty. And move along. Very, very suspicious that he said that. Isn't Israel inviting far greater radicalization of a new generation of young Palestinians with this war? Essentially, Israel better stop fighting back because they're going to tick off these young people in Gaza. And these young people, the Palestinians, are going to grow up to hate them even more than they presently do. Isn't that an argument we should be having, says Piers Morgan and the British reporter, Douglas Murray, Let's him have it. Go. Well, two things. One is, if you just follow the logic of what Barack Obama said, then you just 
shouldn't do anything uh, if you're Israel. You should be attacked and just sit back and say, great, we'll wait for the next one. Um, but the second and more important thing is your question supposes that there is a sort of peaceful Palestinian population in the Gaza who would love a two-state solution and then a few bad apples in Hamas. I think that's not true. Why is it that when uh, one of the victims of the music festival, uh, a poor young German Jewish girl, uh, who it seems was was raped and then uh, brutally uh, murdered and taken into the Gaza naked. Why was it that you can find, and anyone can find this online, uh, a crowd of ordinary Gazans, it wasn't uh, Hamas, it wasn't a Hamas rally, ordinary Gazans uh, uh, spitting on her body, uh, hitting her body, mutilating her body further as it went down the street. Does that strike you, Piers, as a uh, placid population of peacenik types who are just desperately waiting for a two-state solution to be put back on the table for the millionth time in the last 70-something years. It doesn't seem like that to me. Interesting. If you're going to say to us that the people in, in Gaza are just these innocent bystanders and they're the collateral damage and we got this huge humanitarian crisis and we've got to stop firing at them and let's be, on, let's be good people all of a sudden. Why does the video show the people of Gaza spitting on her body? Why does it show them celebrating the death of Jews, peers? Because you're, you're presupposing something that is wrong. And we need to talk about that. But he's not done. Piers Morgan then says, but wait a minute. Um, so you think then, because there are a couple hundred people who are, who are there in these protests and they're not pushing back against the horrors against the Israeli people, that we should then criminalize or find guilty an entire population of the, the two million people in Gaza. And again, British journalist Douglas Murray breaks it down. Go. No, but there are over two million people in Gaza and there weren't two million people in that video clip. There were a few hundred. So I, I don't like to make... Yeah, well, a few hundred at random. A few hundred at random. And did you see anyone in it saying, hey, guys, stop. We're not meant to mutilate the bodies of, uh, of girls or rape them in public. No, I didn't see that. But, but then what you're really articulating, correct me if I'm wrong here, but isn't what you're articulating really an endorsement of collective punishment where you assume they're all guilty no and if they don't stand up to hamas they're also guilty well, and, and that's where people have a problem i think well, with the moral line here which is no if you i'm hold, assuming I'm if you assuming. hold all the gazans equally responsible then is that not collective punishment which is illegal well, first, first of all first of all um uh, there are there is some responsibility for people in the gaza um if you elect elect hamas and uh, and they kill uh, Fatah, and then they remain in power for all of the years afterwards. Um, I'm afraid that there is some uh, responsibility of the people in that situation. You know, uh, w when the Germans uh, um, had Adolf Hitler come to power and voted for him, uh, we in Britain took the view that the German people were responsible in some way. So I'm not for collective punishment per se, but nor am I for this idea that there is something unique going on in the Israeli-Gaza context that we in Britain couldn't understand. Actually, there is one we unique thing. Actually, there is one unique thing Piers is going to say. One unique thing. Audio sound by three. Wow. There is one unique thing, which is that the population of Gaza is pretty unique in that nearly half of the population are children. 
That is a unique situation. No, I'll tell you what's unique about the population of Gaza. It's the only population in the world where people routinely claim Israelis are committing genocide, but which has a population boom all of the time. I mean, th that strikes me as being quite an interesting thing about the Gaza. Um, but as for, as for the moral community, I want to make a very, very important point, if I can say so on this, which is, you know, uh, people quite often abuse history and they say things all the time. Right? I mean, about the only thing anyone from history knows is about the Nazis. Here's something I can tell you with absolute certainty, uh, Piers, having not just seen some of the results of what Hamas did on the ground here in Israel a few weeks ago, but having watched the videos of the unedited footage, uh, which I was one of the journalists um, was sadly allowed to see the other day. I can tell you one thing, the comparison between Hamas and the Nazis is insufficient. And I, sorry, there's an incoming, uh, incoming. All right, so he has to step aside. He's saying the, the this comparison is insufficient between, you know, the Nazis and anybody who would commit such atrocities as we've seen in the Middle East. He's going to come back after the, the raid is over and nothing happens to him. He's perfectly fine to underscore something that we must not forget. Go. The thing that stri struck me, you know, Piers, about seeing the 7th of October footage was that... Um, even the Nazis were actually ashamed of what they did. You know, SS battalions who spent their days shooting Jews in the back of the head and pushing them into, tr uh, into trenches had to get very, very drunk in the evening to uh, uh, forget what they had done. Uh, the Nazi high command famously had to sort of get around the problem of soldier morale because the soldiers knew this wasn't exactly what their lives were meant to look like either. I tell you one very big difference. If you look at the footage, the raw footage, and I really hope people don't on a wider scale have to view what I viewed the other day. Um, if they see it, they will see something that is at least as barbaric as what the Nazis did. But here's the difference. They did it with glee. They were deeply proud. You see people um, uh, trying to, you know, taking the head off a young Israeli man with a shovel and then uh, calling their parents back in Gaza and telling them, Father, Father, I've killed two Jews, with my, t 10 Jews with my own hands. Get mother on the phone. I want to show, tell her how great a job her son has done. They have glee. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, his most important comment yet. To underscore what's really going on, that's next. So back to Piers Morgan. He's sitting at the anchor desk. He's trying to tell the guy in the field in Gaza what's really going on and, and what the real story is. And the guy in Gaza is like, my man, I think you should probably put a sock in it because you have no idea about what you speak. And this comparison between Hamas terrorists and the Nazis is a disingenuous connection because there is a huge distinction between the two parties. And we're going to talk about Nazis killing millions and millions of human beings. There is a singular and very important distinction, so says British reporter Douglas Murray. Listen. I'm not exaggerating this. It's very, very interesting and people need to realize you had this situation with, uh, with the Nazis where they also were a genocidal anti-Semitic organization, but they tried to cover their crimes up. Hamas are actually proud of them, mm. and they've said they will do them until the whole world is clear, f 
clear of Jews. Yeah. So I suggest we take that seriously, and I think that Israel is taking it seriously. I hope they continue to take it seriously, but I think the world should take it seriously, and that includes Britain. And when I hear British journalists, British commentators, and British politicians lecturing the Israelis on what they should do, I think, I'm sorry, this shows a failing in our country. It shows that we in Britain cannot enforce our laws. We don't even enforce our borders in Britain. It's us that is the weak link in the international security chain on this, not Israel. Isn't that remarkable? Honest? Authentic? Inconvenient? Reporting. The problem is we, the people... This stuff that we're seeing going on on college campuses, this has been planted. That was a seed planted when I was in college in the 80s, for heaven's sakes. It's just been nourished. It's received the right amount of food and water and sunshine and enough bad parenting and enough adults refusing to behave that way, saying, no, that's enough. What are all these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine protesters all about? This is the next iteration of Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter was allowed to take place because the left, the Democrat, socialist, Marxist, progressivist left mandated that we give them free reign. Don't try to control anybody. Don't get in the way of the protests. Don't arrest anybody. Don't do anything. Here are your George Soros prosecutors. Here are your DAs of suck. Go ahead. Free reign is yours, and they have unleashed the Kraken. And that is what we're seeing, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people who needed to be told, hell no, now are the 'er ne'er-do-well delinquent activist population cultivated by professors of suck. Boom. Now, wait, the media aren't just the only enemy of the people. Of course, you've got your police state. And we're going to dive into that next subject coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program. In the, in the world of, of relationships, I don't know about you. I feel I am blessed if I have a handful of friends. I don't need a whole lot. I don't have time for a lot. I care about people, but it's difficult to get too close to people. And by the way, the last several years have shown us all a lot of true colors about folks that we thought we knew. It's interesting to watch Alan Dershowitz push back on Barack Obama and others in the Democrat Party, people he thought he saw eye to eye with. And then when you have something come out and you have a Barack Obama say things that a lot of Jews would find to be deeply offensive, you see true colors. And it's it's difficult. It's difficult when it's your life, when it's your family. And I think all of us, particularly through COVID, I think we've all kind of thinned the herd. How many people we truly have in our lives that we would depend on? And turn to who we trust. Well, among them is certainly not anything in, in law enforcement, I'm, I'm sad to say. This enemy of the people idea, certainly the big one was the, the media. 
But this idea of a police state to me is is just astonishing. And I don't believe that there is a more prudent or timely example than this one that we have been following pretty exhaustively on this program. This case in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I mean, it's got everything in it that's just ridiculous. You have a convicted felon who who is convicted as the as the mayor of this community for corruption goes to prison for like seven years. This wasn't a slap on his wrist. Seven years gets out of prison, runs again, gets his job back. Only in crazy town USA does this happen, gets his job back. And then when he's up for reelection and he has a pretty significant Democrat primary challenger in Josh Gomes. He is accused of cheating with minions in his office, some woman in particular caught on surveillance video multiple times taking hands full of absentee mail-in ballots and shoving them in the ballot box right outside the city hall in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Cameras all over the place. Brazen. In your face. Multiple times. Like, I'm not even going to try to hide it. So the judge in the case says, you know what? We've got to do a new primary. This primary is jacked because all of these mail-in or ballot box votes allowed the incumbent mayor, the felon, whose own employee is the one stuffing the ballot box, to win. And the challenger was like, dude, not a chance. No. Beyond that, there is a whistleblower all hail the whistleblowers out there. It's got to be t- It is hard to be a whistleblower. Look at the FBI guys. Look at the IRS guys. Look at the folks who've been dumping the Twitter files information on us. Blowing the whistle is a risky thing, especially when you live in a police state and your government comes after you. They're not going after the guy who stuffed the ballots. They're not going after the gal who was going at stuffing the ballots because you know what? She pled the fifth. That's what innocent people do, right? Wrong. I want to read you this headline, though. Just to underscore, instead of going after the culprits, the people who clearly are trying to steal an election, the police in Bridgeport, Connecticut, are going after the whistleblower. They want to know who leaked this video. No, Now, wait a minute. Screw you, first of all. If this is city property... Where these cameras are positioned, and I'm a Bridgeport, Connecticut resident, I'm paying taxes. Those videos are mine. How dare you try to go after the person who leaked them to Josh Gomes' campaign. John Gomes, whatever, I think it's Josh Gomes. How dare you? This is where we are in the police state of America. Here's your headline, the Liberty Daily, surveillance cameras and whistleblower keys to cracking Connecticut ballot box stuffing case. Yo, there's no there's no case to crack. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are all over this. They had this bad boy solved before I came out with Scooby Snacks. They're like, wait a minute, video of this woman with ballots and then the, there's a couple hundred votes to, to change the election here and the, the felon incumbent mayor is the guy who wins and we don't see what's happening right here's your here's your story it took conscience courage cameras and a court 
to overturn the results of the corrupted Senate September 12th, the Bridgeport, Connecticut, Democrat mayoral primary election. The conscience and the courage came from the as-yet-unidentified whistleblower who provided the incriminating footage to the public. It shouldn't take courage to say, hey, you people are scumbags. Stop freaking stealing our elections. But this is where we are because of a police state. The video is public property. Thank you. Nonetheless, the Bridgeport Police Department is conducting an investigation to find out who leaked it and to determine if the action constituted any criminal wrongdoing. Hey, Bridgeport Police Chief, you suck. Don't get lost in the weeds unless you're a political activist, which it's kind of feeling like you are. The cameras uh, surveilling the drop boxes belong to the city of Bridgeport and are monitored by the city police. The Superior Court judge that invalidated the election, wrote that his decision came down to the, quote, practical and common sense application of the law to the facts of the case. Wait, what? Somebody out there realizes, you know what? I'm seeing video of some lady multiple times against Connecticut law going to this Dropbox and stuffing in multiple ballots. Not allowed to do that in Connecticut. I'm going to go with, that's a problem. Well, isn't that... Isn't that oddly refreshing? Somebody who knows the truth, somebody who sees it and speaks common sense. Quote, the volume of evidence in this case, including the many hundreds of hours of video surveillance disclosed and accepted, is perhaps unprecedented in the state of Connecticut in an election case, wrote Judge William Clark in his November 1st decision to nullify the election's outcome and order a redo. Now, when you take all of the fraudulent mail-in or drop-box ballots out, who's going to win the primary? That's exactly what the people of Bridgeport, Connecticut, want to know. The videos are shocking to the court and should be shocking to all people, the judge said. Damn right. Now, the defendant in the case is town clerk Charles Clemens. Judge Clark noted that all parties in the case agreed that many hours of video were authentic. He wrote that the issue of fact that the court had to decide was whether, based on the record as presented, enough ballots were mishandled to conclude that the reliability of the results of the election was seriously in doubt. The court concluded that based on the video footage, documents, and testimony in the case, there was enough absent there were rather enough absentee votes mishandled by unauthorized people to make it impossible to determine the legitimate winner. And therefore, the judge declared the Democrat primary election for mayor of Bridgeport invalid. The judge had the huevos to do what nobody else, anywhere else in this country, was willing to do in 2020. Look at the evidence. The judge looked at the evidence and said, you know what? Holy cow. Thank you, Judge. So now, the next headline in this article says criminality tolerated for years. Wait, what? Overt cheating by illegally harvesting absentee ballots and stuffing stacks of them into drop boxes has been going on in Connecticut since the remote ballot receptacles first came into those during the, or first came into use, I should say, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hmm. 
release a virus, depopulate, freak out a lot of people, force them to stay home, ruin the economy, and allow people to cheat. What an ingenious idea. It's almost like it was the plan, right? But I want to I ask you this. Why is it that the number one overarching mission of this city of Bridgeport police force isn't to stop the cheating. It's not to hold accountable the woman who stuffed all of the ballots in the drop boxes. It's to find the whistleblower, the person who had access to the video and to hold them accountable for what? You're not allowed to tell the truth, apparently, when the truth exposes the suck. How is this any different than the police department in Nashville? Suspending seven detectives, none of whom Stephen Crowder says is the source who gave him the transgender person's manifesto, which should have been given to the people months ago. Why is it that instead of highlighting, whether it be deranged political activism or acute mental illness or the culmination of indoctrination and grooming in school, the transgender person's everything, we're going to focus instead on the whistleblower who stepped forward to share a slice of truth in a world full of lies and propaganda. This is why I say to you without question, the police state is a clear and present danger to we, the people of the United States. Anybody else out there follow the story of these four current and former L.A. Sheriff's Department employees who just coincidentally all happened to kill themselves in a 24-hour span. I've been paying attention to that story. It's not getting a whole lot of coverage out there. But do you guys believe that there is something that just would cause four coincidental suicides in such a short time span? Or do you think perhaps something is needing further and deeper review Because it feels like a message, almost, is being sent in this horrendous chain of events. Do you believe anything anymore? Do you believe anyone anymore? I do not. And that is why we say, question everything. All right, quick timeout on the Wendy Bell Radio program. When we come back. It's good old-fashioned quid pro Joe. Yeah, he doesn't care about Israel. And he said something and did something over the weekend to prove that. Next. You know, we have a weak government by committee. There is a Joe Biden who has never been in charge, and I think everybody paying attention is keenly aware of that fact. Only somebody very disingenuous would submit to you that Joe Biden is the dude in charge. He certainly is not. And it has been a sad, 
It has been a sad decay to watch him decline with the speed with which he has is breathtaking. It's not funny. It's not to be made fun of or, or to be celebrated. It is a tragedy of dementia and mental decline that will ultimately touch all of us. However, he ought not be anywhere where he is. And we know because he is weak and because we have this governance by committee, by special interest groups and people like Pelosi and people like Democrats in Congress chirping about policy. We do not have a strong stance in this country on anything. That's why our debt rating is ridiculous. That's why nobody wants to take on American debt. We're not even good for it. Our interest payments alone are over a trillion dollars a year just on the interest. And these are the clowns that want more money to spend. Biden demanding $60 billion plus in handouts for Ukraine. No money or he says no money for Israel. Don't don't try to talk out of one side of your mouth and say, oh, my gosh, we need to be with our ally. We love our ally. We will be there. Don't don't Iran. Don't Hamas. Don't Hezbollah. Don't anybody. Don't. Oh, I'm sure they're shaking in their boots. I'm sure the 40 strikes on U.S. soldiers and service members overseas, specifically because of all this, it shows exactly how weak we are. But this, this is from the independentsentinel.com. Joe Biden and the Senate Democrats still refuse to send Israel the aid approved nine days ago. And this was out two days ago. So now 11 days ago because they didn't get the billions for Ukraine. They won't take the money from the IRS to pay for funding wars. They want to keep spending without restrictions, even though we're coming close to a downward debt spiral. Close. Close. I'm going to say we're we're absolutely there. Just look at your bank account. It doesn't lie. Biden or his advisors are insisting on no aid to Israel unless Ukraine gets U.S. taxpayer 70 billion. It's so obvious what's going on. It's not about war. It's not about racism. It's not about helping the helpless. It's not about root causes. It's not about do the right thing. It's not about it's magic. It's not about any damn thing other than one money laundering operation after another. And the collateral damage is you. It is me. It's everybody who's stuck paying for it. Period. So Democrats won't give handouts with money. We have to borrow to Israel unless Ukraine gets a handout, too. We all agree Israel should get the aid. That was what the pants on fire call was to get a new speaker. The world is burning, the Democrats said. Oh, my heavens, what a joke. Look at those House Republicans in disarray. They can't even agree on a speaker. Well, we did. And within days... That caucus passed a measure to give necessary aid to Israel. One thing, one line, one purpose, one recipient, one. 
And when that one thing was presented to the Democrats, they said, no. Tells you everything you need to know. It's all a sham. On November 2nd, as you well know, that $14 billion in military assistance to Israel was passed in the House. Senate, no joy. Joe Biden, no joy. Biden also wants money for Taiwan and billions more not to build a wall, not to expedite the removal of people who ought not be here, who we cannot afford, who don't want to be here and want to go home anyway, but rather to expedite the process of more, more to come. Democrats quickly called the IRS provision a poison pill. Now, their arguments here are flawed. All of them. We know what they want. Never-ending access to the bank accounts of everyday Americans. House Republicans said, we agree. We need to help Israel. Let's do it. And they called the bluff. And now the Democrats sit there. I'm not going to play. What a disgusting and despicable time here in America. As you get to see the true colors of people who've long said that they are for peace, for democracy, that they support the Constitution, that they believe in your rights, that they believe in your wellness, that they want to work for you. They want nothing of the sort. They want a never-ending money supply, a never-ending way of multiple schemes to get rich, to screw you, and to, at the same time, transform America into something it is not. The police state is our enemy of the people, number two. But I think it's this. The 70 House Republicans who voted to give the FBI who've been weaponized against conservatives for years, a $300 million gift. Politicians who suck. That's in my crosshairs next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. <laughs> 